0: Beyond ideas of wrongdoing and doing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase to each other doesn't make sense. Hi everyone. Today we end our international podcast host series with Australian podcast host and business owner Michael Gregory. I'm happy to introduce the host of the Addiction to Freedom podcast and the owner of True Quit to you. Michael is based outside Sydney, in Australia, and has a beautifully calm demeanor. His company, True Quit, was formed after Michael's own struggle to stop smoking. He explained how his philosophically trained mind dug deeper and deeper into the brain mechanism around quitting cigarettes until he found an answer, which he rolled out to great success. He believes his method stops craving and that it can be used to quit any addictive substance. I'm excited to hear this and really want to take the time to study this more. You can find more information on that at, at www.truequit.com. He started his podcast recently to spread the word that there is something like freedom from addiction. You can catch Addiction to Freedom on Michael's website at www.michaelgregory.life. It was a great chat and I'm sure you will enjoy it. This podcast is supported by Orangutans in the Field, the podcast where Merber and I talk about life stuff, how it impacts our mental health, and how we deal with it. Catch this unedited, raw, sometimes hard eating and always blatantly honest podcast on Anchor FM and Iono FM. Please also look out for information on my new book, Life for Non, a 12-step guide to life for non-addicts. You can find it by following the link from the right of my home page, which is at It costs 300 worth without postage. Order from me in my shop at www.fredyshop.co.za. This is Michael's story. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Michael, I'm going to say good day because I think it's like possibly good afternoon or good evening where you are and good, very good morning where I am. So, so
1: afternoon so, where I am. Afternoon. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I'll say, I'll say good day if you like. Good day, good day, mate. Yeah,
0: that's, <laughs> it's it's <laughs> obviously where Michael comes from if we go to the good day, mate. <laughs> <concert>. <laughs> How are you today? How was your day?
1: Oh, beautiful. I, um, I had a nice little surf. Uh, this morning it was actually drizzling rain like very fine misty rain it was Mm -hmm. gray and that that kept a lot of people away so
0: there's just a few of us out there and really smooth water it was great awesome oh that sounds beautiful and um, it sounds as if you live in quite an idyllic place right next to next to the sea as well I do Uh, if I walk down
1: the road I live on about a couple of hundred yards there's a and like a little little tiny bay where, you know, fishing boats come in. Yeah. And if I just walk another couple of hundred yards, it'll be at the beach. Oh, but I don't wow. surf there. I, I drive to another beach where there's better waves.
0: So, yeah. <laughs> That's the so one thing on the, oh, cool. down the coast. Oh, cool. That sounds wonderful. And you you were born and bred in Sydney, am I correct?
1: Well, yeah, actually in the Blue Mountains, which, which is – West of Sydney west of Sydney okay um, and my folks moved around quite a lot so I was probably I think I counted up 14 schools or something oh my word yeah That's until eventually yeah eventually I went to boarding school for the last five years and then my adult life has mainly been... In Sydney, okay. except for the last eight years I moved down here, which is two hours south of Sydney. Okay.
0: So those so those initial 13 schools were all primary primary school?
1: Mostly called primary um, school. Two, to... Yeah,
0: yeah. There were two high schools
1: because what would happen is my father worked in a bank okay. and they'd transfer us. Yeah. And so there'd be a transition school. And then while well, we're finding a permanent place to live, and then yeah. you go to the regular school after about six months when you finally
0: yeah. they bought
1: a house. So, so that happened many
0: times. Good grief. Yeah. I, I'm, I need to be careful not to go all, all counsellor on you, but it just sounds fascinating to, to, and, and it will be interesting to see how did that influenced you in terms of your social skills Because I think you can either go one or two ways and see it kind of, you know, I I embraced the idea of meeting new new people, new friends, so I'm very social, or I couldn't make friends and I withdrew. So which which one did you do? I think probably
1: there were different periods. I think I became used to being in a new environment. That came along with like feeling like an outsider, but then I learned the process of, you know, being an outsider and then and then integrating into a new environment. Yeah. But internally, yeah. so that's externally, internally it made me not blindly accept that what the environment is always has to be the same. Okay. And that led into, you know, I think that partially led into other deeper questions which led me you know Mm -hmm. um, to the
0: road. To the way we're going to go later on. Yeah. And Michael did you grow up in a a household where there was religion or a sense of spirituality?
1: I grew up in a household where there was basically fundamentalist Christian um, beliefs. Okay. They weren't um, the fundamentalism that, Usually you've got, so you've got my Orthodox Jews, let's say, and then you've got, you know, um, non-Jewish Christianity.
0: Yeah.
1: And this was a kind of a hybrid. Uh, It came out of America where they kept all of the Jewish feasts and everything, so we didn't have Christmas or birthdays.
0: Okay.
1: But we had all the Jewish feasts. However, they also believed that Jesus was the Messiah and and the New Testament, so they'd kind of, took the whole thing on, not really understanding, you know, what I understand now that, you know, the new, according to, you know, in Christian terms, uh, the New Testament basically came along and, and, and overcame all of that other attempt to be one with God through all the rules. Mm-hmm. You know, later on, I, I looked at all different religions And spent a lot of time in Buddhism. Okay. So I've had a mixture of, you know, in my adult life, you know, Christian mystical experiences and um, Buddhist um, experiences. And and I would have to say that I I don't find a conflict there at all. In fact, I don't find a conflict with... Anybody's, because i think essentially we we all um in a way exist in the same way fundamentally you yeah. know so it's just a matter of how that's expressed yeah i mean i know author, you know traditional christians would say but you know there's only one way and i'd say well why yeah. Why are you saying that? And they'd say, well, because Jesus said, I am the truth, the way and the light. And and I would say to them, well, when Jesus said I, what, what do you think his experience of that was? What do you think he meant when he referred to himself as I? Yeah. If you understand that, well, then it opens up that expression to be not a singular individual human, but. I being not separate from anything.
0: Okay. Awesome. And where would you say do you stand today? Do, do, you, do you subscribe or do you do you follow a specific dogma or religion or where do you stand?
1: I would say that I have absorbed what I call on the street regular Christianity would. Would um, suggest but I find that to be a lot of uh, blind assumptions with unquestioned beliefs Um, but at the core um, I think that at the core if you just look at what Jesus said and what he was pointing to and encouraging I, I, I feel a great affinity with that Okay, um, but on, but at the same time, in my like way, I've explained it before. That doesn't um, mean that it's that, that that's not inclusive of any oneness, yes. however that's yes. arrived at. And I actually don't think Jesus would have a problem with that. <laughs> but you know, a lot of people will call me a heretic for saying that.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. that sounds so, awesome. So it sounds all inclusive, Well, not all inclusive, but it sounds inclusive. Yeah. Accepting, which are beautiful concepts that I like, and I, I love the concept of love. We're talking about love, love self, love others, and we were born through love, to love. Those are the things that I really like personally, and that's kind of Absolutely. what I hear from you.
1: Well, it's funny you should you you, you when you said that word, I, that's literally what I was thinking, because in both, well, if you talk at, look at any wisdom tradition love is the beginning the middle and the end mm. of the way and 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 you can take away that timeline and 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 in an experience of the truth of that that is which is timeless which is ever present which is all inclusive part of one expression of that is inherently love,
0: yeah,
1: you know, and I mean, there are other ways to say it, which would be like peace, joy. Yes. Um, but it's all essentially what we are. So, you know, and concepts really chop it up artificially, so they can only really point to the, the lived experience of that.
0: Yeah awesome so you mentioned before we started recording that you studied philosophy so did, did you leave school and and went to university and and philosophy was your major it was okay um,
1: how did that I, happen? What- <laughs> <laughs> well, well uh, i mentioned that i grew up in a kind of a fundamentalist kind of hybrid form of christianity and that actually that group turned out to be corrupt my parents left that okay so when i was 15 and and i i and, and i went to a catholic boarding school well, so okay. that was a very big contrast and then when they <laughs> left that it was a big shock like suddenly all the things that i was brought up to believe unquestioningly were now up for you know yeah. not necessarily Trusted, yeah. Um. Yeah. So, so that sent me on a real quest to find out what what is the go, what is true, yes. and then. So when I left and went to uni, I did study economics as kind of you know, satisfying my parents <laughs> and the part of me that felt that I needed something so called safe. Yes. <laughs> um, but then my major passion was was philosophy, okay. and I ended up doing a double major. And um, economics and philosophy. Okay. And uh, but it was the philosophy that I carried on with, really, in a way. And people would say, "Why do you want to do that?" And I and I said, "Well, usually, you know, you hear about people studying philosophy when they when they're old, older, let's say." And I said, "I don't want to do that. I don't want to realise all these things at the end of my life and wish I could have known them earlier and put them into practice." Yeah. So I want to study it now because it's going to make my life. It's going to give me more, richer. It's going to it's mm. going to give me the realizations I need now
0: for the rest yeah. of my life. Yeah. do do you think that life is kind of happening the wrong way around? <laughs> we gather knowledge and we gather possessions as we get older. Yeah. Well, it will actually yeah. be quite nice to start with the knowledge and the and the possessions and kind of discard yeah. what we don't need as we go along, you know, and, yeah. and, yeah. and, and, and end in a coffin that, that actually can't take any possessions in anything else. You know, so. yeah. yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you know, it, it, think about
1: some, you know, the, the Western way of living's only been around, you know, call it a couple of thousand years even. Yeah. Not even. Prior to that, we lived in communal groups um, where, Um, there was a minimal amount of possessions. And generally speaking, everything was provided by the group effort. And there wasn't such a focus on needing to gather stuff and accumulate stuff. It wasn't even practical to do that. Mm. So this focus that we have of, you know, the nuclear family and, um, gathering wealth and um, as if that's actually security, yeah, um, and all of that getting in the way of really experiencing what is really satisfying and really meaningful. And uh, yeah, so so we kind of think, well, I'll I'll just gather this wealth and get a bit secure, and then I'll worry about what makes me happy. Thinking, but then we get caught up thinking, well, this is the stuff that. Yeah, It's making me happy, but then, you, then you, plenty of people get that, and
0: and they're worse off. Yeah, <laughs> I'm oh, not yeah, saying you, there's anything wrong with that. I mean, something that, yeah. that that I enjoy as a as a thought process is to drive through uber wealthy neighborhoods and to look at these castles that that that, that we have created and gathered and assembled, and yeah. I think. What's the ego need that drives this need to have the space, to take up so much space on, the, on this earth? <laughs> so that, that's really philosophical. But a little story about philosophy right. that when I was at Varsity, I had to have a, I had one semester where I needed one more credit. So I took philosophy. Oh, good. And um, Who did you study? I studied at, it was then the Rand Afrikaans University in Johannesburg, South Africa which is now called University of Johannesburg, or UJ, University of Johannesburg, yeah. Yeah. And many, many, many years later, I applied, I wanted to do a higher degree and I applied for my student record. And I looked at it and I said to my husband, oh, I took philosophy. He said, oh, what did you you study? I could not remember anything, not Ah. one topic, one subject, one lecture. I remember that we had went for a Sunday night dinner at the lecture. That's what I remember about the (laughs) last thing. It obviously didn't didn't resonate very highly with me. (laughs) I I actually did an interesting meditation this morning. This is now completely kind of off the the grid conversation. And the conversation, the, the meditation was about going into yourself and going through your life stages and seeing yourself at certain stages in your life, what your body was like, what you were feeling, what what you were thinking. And the whole meditation for me was around, I don't know what to call it, confusion. It was about a, a rushed and an, 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 an anxious, if there is a word like that, a rush um, 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 chased by anxiety. It, it feels as if I never really touched ground. Yeah. In, in, my, in my younger days, it was only going into my coming into recovery from addiction with the concept of serenity into my life. Mm. <laughs> and, and, and that's my kind of whew, okay, yeah. now, now I'm touching the earth, now, now I'm breathing, now, now, now I'm being. Before that, mm. everything's a blur, an absolute, absolute blur.
1: That makes a whole lot of sense.
0: <laughs> so I want to hear about your podcast. So your podcast is called Addiction to Freedom. Yes. And am I correct if I say that looking at Audrey, it's a relatively new, new endeavour for you? Or has yes. it been going long? Just not a lot on Audrey yet.
1: No, no. It's, um, it's new, and it's really kind of sprouted out of my the last 10 years of work with helping people with you know, smoking addiction. Cool. So if these two are that intricately linked,
0: take us through the journey.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, I I was an acupuncturist. I worked as an acupuncturist for many years. I I would have to say I failed when I tried to help people with acupuncture to quit smoking. I used what I'd learned with the traditional addiction protocols and only 30% of people would succeed, which is the same statistic. 30% is the same success rate as willpower. So I figured out that I wasn't making any difference. Was maybe those people were just using willpower. And so I stopped doing that for 10 years. And then I ended up consulting to this group that were doing a laser acupuncture treatment. Laser, and I thought they were laser which is laser. Uh, the laser is a way of activating the acupuncture point. Okay. There's many ways to activate the acupuncture okay. point. Um, and, I thought they were quacks and unqualified but anyway eventually i i went and had a look and i made them call all their clients and i was surprised they were getting a better result than i was getting so i became interested again and i thought maybe the laser was the the magic difference so i i um i tried that and and one day um this client rang me up and after three months of not smoking, he rang me up and said, I'm smoking again. And I really couldn't understand this because I thought, well, all the drug is out of your system in 10 days. So I, in my thinking back at that time, I thought the drug equals the addiction. So if the drug's gone, you're not addicted. So what, and why, how how did that happen? And anyway, I looked down at the bin and there was an unopened pack of cigarettes. And, I thought I could have one of them. And, and I really, really was seriously contemplating. I thought, you know, I went through my mind. There were, you know, it was 7.30 at night, nobody in the clinic, nobody would, I wouldn't, you know, I could get away with it really. And I yeah. thought, hang on a minute, I'm, I'm wanting a cigarette now and I haven't got any nicotine in my body for 10 years.
0: Okay. And I thought, well,
1: h- hang on a sec, I'm having a mental craving. This is what it is. It's a mental craving. It's a, it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. This is the missing piece. And um, and then I tried to find out what that mental craving was and it disappeared, and I thought, well, it, I wasn't quick enough, you know. So next time it happened, I, I tried to find it again. It disappeared. Each time I thought, oh, it's just so quick I can't find it. And then one day I thought, what if what I'm doing to try and find it? Because I studied qigong. I don't know if you know what that is. Yes. Yeah, for, for, for people who don't know, it's kind of an internal martial art like tai chi. Um, which makes you very sensitive so you can feel inside your body. So anyway, um, I thought, what if what I'm doing, you know, I was using the Chinese diagnostic system as well to try and figure it out. But what if what I'm doing is actually making it disappear? So then I tested it out the next time and I had the craving and I delayed to try and find it. And then the craving stayed until... I then tried to find it and it disappeared. I thought, ah, oh, maybe this is it. So then I tried it again and again and again. It verified that every time, and it was not using willpower, right? And, and it, was, it was almost effortless. And I thought, could it be this simple? But I have to say it took me 10 years to really unpack that. So now it's, there's a model of four stages that your brain goes through when it generates a mental craving and I've been able to articulate those different stages and the mechanism of what one leads to another, yeah. and yeah. and also what the mental craving actually is, in in um, I mean in terms of, in terms of our lived experience. Put it that way. I know there's descriptions in terms of neurochemical, but I'm talking about lived experience, and um, and then after then and then the development of a way of training people to retrain their brain because I was still having mental cravings after 10 years, even though yeah. I wasn't smoking. And so do many people who have been addicted to a substance or not just a substance, but a behavior yeah. or, or all sorts. Right. So the brain changes. And just because you're not pers- doing that activity or having that substance doesn't change the brain back. It yeah. still keeps generating these cravings. Um, so I've developed a way to progressively retrain the brain back to not generating those cravings. And, you know, there's other things involved, like fight or flight, and, you know, how the brain itself uses mechanisms that are there to protect us and yeah. help us, um, but it co-ops them and it, it gets it, to try and adapt to the addiction. And that adaptation needs to be reset. Yeah. So I've developed a pathway through helping people stop smoking, and then the you know I was having people you know asking me to help them with all sorts of addictions, and I thought, well, I don't have the time to look at every single addiction. I don't have the expertise of the nuances of all the individual ones, but I can create a core kind of toolkit that anybody could use for any addiction. Um, to retrain their brain around their chosen addiction that they want to deal with. And so that's where addiction to freedom came along because, you see, I realised that the same process, the same mental process is occurring in all sorts of areas of our life that are not traditionally called addictions. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's some starting to come to light now, which we mentioned, like, Porn addiction, sex yep. addiction, codependency addiction. Um, now we've got social media addiction. Have you seen mm. the movie The Social Dilemma? I unfortunately did. Yeah, <laughs> oh, unbelievable. Well, it's, it's a definite addiction, right?
0: Yeah. And
1: but then there are other things more subtle, like I would say that negative thinking, or even Ooh. so, negative is is an addiction, and also positive thinking like being overly optimistic yeah. in order to deal with a lack or whatever is yeah. also an addiction but you but even going further even being addicted to thinking
0: any thinking Ooh, I, call it, time, I call it mental masturbation <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly <laughs> how much of our time do we do we spend not thinking yeah. Right now, it's there are times when we're engaging in a sport, when we're engaging in a in an activity um, that's in, engrossing, and co- our attention is being held in other senses. Let's yeah. say, um, but what happens is that that when those things stop, our addiction to thinking continues, and um, and that prevents us from actually mm. experiencing. And, and, and by the way, just, I'll just go a little bit further there. Um, our th- thinking is made up of concepts, right? Strings of concepts, clusters of concepts, which create identities in the world, microphone, screen, mm. table, house. But guess what? Beyond what we can see in front of us, beyond what we hear, it's imagined. And that's the truth of the reality of it right now. The rest of the world we are holding and as a lived experience in our own imagination. And that is the way it exists for everybody. Now, sure, I can go to my the go to the place outside that I'm imagining right now and and, and it will exist in the way that it exists there yeah and, and this place here will be the imagined space All right so I'm not denying the functionality of that reality but that's how it exists yeah and but in our concepts we wake up in the morning we never think of that. Nobody thinks out there I'm imagining it it's an imagined world Everybody has this mapped out, physical world geolocated around us Mm. and we're holding this construction alive constantly through thought. And um, that addiction is preventing us from seeing the truth and experiencing the truth of our reality right now. Um, I mean, as you know, there is no there. I can't touch (laughs) that, right? I I see see it. 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 And that is the way it is. It's not solid, solid. And even if I say, well, what about the solid things? Well, I put my hand on the desk, and the way I experience solid is this feeling, and also the experience of it, my hand stopping, and all can. It all conforms to this, this matrix, this conceptual construct that we that we make up. We wake up in the morning, the program loads up, and. Um, and we live that, and then we apply that to ourselves. Yeah. And we, we create ourselves as a cluster of constructed con- concepts as, mm-hmm. a, as, a, as an individual entity in this, this physical geo-located physical reality that we've created around, and we yeah. say, I'm a thing here. And, and then we live that as if that's true. Um, and and that, all of that, that addiction to all of that, prevents us from experiencing the truth of what we are and and, and who we are and what this is. Um, And that addiction, I think, is the primary one. If we can, if that addiction can be addressed and we can experience the truth of the way things are, the way we are, um, what we will find is that we lack nothing. We are complete. Yeah. Um, we are. We have deep satisfaction, deep peace, um, and and all of the other concerns about needing more, not mm-hmm. having enough, wishing this, regretting that,
0: um, <laughs> jealousy, yeah. anger,
1: all these other things yeah. spiral off, and they just drop away. They're not necessary.
0: Yeah.
1: So this is so addiction to freedom is. Two things. It's it's addiction to freedom, <laughs> yes, but it's also from addiction to freedom, the journey.
0: Awesome. So that's the project oh, like that. of, yeah.
1: of bringing that knowledge. And So it's not just a philosophical descriptive experience of the world, which, again, is all thinking. Yeah. Right? It's actually an experiential toolkit where you can start to experience this truth. Even truth is a concept. Um, you can start to experience the nature of.
0: Things. <laughs> I, I, um, I like that. Yeah, very true.
1: Yeah, so that's the project, and the way it's manifesting at the moment is a series of conversations, um, and a um, poetry that I put on Instagram, and um, and the toolkit that I'm going to be providing. And the coaching that I'll be giving similar to the way I do it with my stop smoking clients. Yeah. I, um, I, I do a weekly um, zoom meeting. Oh, cool. Where we, we interact and I help people Im- implement the, the tools and understand yeah. them. So it's wonderful. Um, yeah. And it's kind of become necessary because I can see people already going in this direction. They're already asking for it. So I'm creating the space for, yeah. for those people who want to go there, or people who who want to join from wherever they
0: are. Yeah, that 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 sounds really, really something cool. Um, two things popped up in, into my head while you were talking. The one is that um, did you did you really struggle to quit smoking? It, it,
1: it, yeah,
0: it, it, I said okay, cool, because yeah, well. I, I quit smoking when I was 10 months clean from drugs and alcohol and and I found that quitting smoking was more difficult than quitting the drugs and alcohol mm, because yes. the, craving, the cravings came so so often that's right and and yeah. that, and, and I, I I think I learned more about the recovery process by quitting smoking than I did with the other two
1: yeah that makes a, a lot of sense yeah um, so yeah, that, that, that's right. And I mean, each of the, different substances have their own, you know, withdrawal within the physical body. Mm. Um, and, but other behaviors and things can have their own, um, you know, impacts in terms of what wound that they, you know, bandaid it over. Yeah becomes more obvious, um, but but if you can deal with the craving, um, you realize when you you do that 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 the, the craving disappears. So you're not compelled anymore to act on that that experience. Yeah. Um, now the wound is still there, and you recognize that as a separate thing that that can be. That you need to deal with, you know, like for example, let's just take a really basic one like boredom. Yes. You know, people say, I, you know, uh, I need my drug or my need my entertainment, my porn or my sex or my what, my lover or whatever, to give me attention. Otherwise, I'll be bored out of my brain.
0: Mm.
1: You know, so you can actually deal with the craving of that when it occurs. The craving can go. You can recognize literally. Um, that there is no craving and you're still, you can still be bored, but that gives you the clarity that the boredom is something separate. And I, and I need to, I need to solve that problem in something that meets that need better than because this, this, whatever this fix was, behaviorally or chemically or whatever, It, it's net, It doesn't actually satisfy that. It doesn't solve that problem of boredom. Absolutely. The boredom continues. To, it's not even addressed. It continues to exist. Yeah. Once you get rid of the craving for the the addiction side, you can. You then very clearly you can see. Well. Now I can look at the boredom. So what what's going on there? Yes. You know, or, or whatever else was underneath. Yeah. And the two don't need to be linked. See, a lot of people think that in order to get deal with addiction, you have to deal with deep-seated psychological issues. Mm-hmm. You don't. Yeah, you, you, can, you can deal with the addiction separately, but, but, but in the process, you realise that whatever deep-seated psychological things you've got, you have a choice then to, to deal with those in a way that really meets their need.
0: Yeah. Something that I find interesting is with my clients is that concept of I had a bad craving and then I would ask them, were you actually physically craving or were you thinking of using? There's a vast difference between by thinking of a cigarette, people think themselves into a craving.
1: Yeah, I, could, I can unpack that a little for you if you like. Please do. Yeah. Um, so when, we, when, I, when I talk about the four stages that the brain goes through in generating a craving, the first stage is an event. Like so a lot
0: triggers.
1: of, yeah, a lot of systems call that a trigger event. Yeah. Um, look, it could be sadness. It could be a time of day. It could yeah. be the phone ringing or after a meal or something like that, whatever that Absolutely, is. Yeah. So any kind of event that then links by association to the thought of smoking or the yes. thought of the, the substance, of diabetes, thing, yeah. you know, the, the sex or whatever. Yeah. Right, it it links to the thought of that. Now, this is the same. We were not not born with this link. This is a learned link that became automatic, just like when I see a traffic light and I think stop if it's red or green if it's no. So now you're at the thought stage. Now, what happens then very quickly, you end up getting a blind belief. I'll explain this more. Right, so you've got the thought plus the belief that you need to have this, satisfy the thought, Mm. do what the thought's saying urgently, right? And then as a separate phenomena, the craving occurs. Now, in between the thought and the blind belief is two things. We're not checking the reality of the situation and we have fight or flight. Ah. So fight or flight is the brain's, self-protective mechanism in the yes. face of potential danger. It's trying to protect us from danger. And it generates fear, anxiety, and mm. um, and, and ir- ir- irritability, yes. anger. So so this fight or flight, right? So the thought is, I need this thing. Instantly, the subconscious, the blood goes to the hindbrain, the subconscious, and away from the frontal cortex. So we, we can't think clearly. Yeah. We're not thinking rationally. There's a binary solution, either fight and destroy the danger or run away, right? And what's happening is that so the thought is something we instantly believe that. So you've got thought and belief instantly together and an urgency because we've got this fight or flight anxiety, fear happening at the same time and we can't think clearly and the craving is there, which is a separate phenomena. And, and, and if we try to delay, more fight or flight. More thoughts come, mm. right? And then we start to argue with those thoughts, which is willpower. No, no, I don't want to do that. More delay, more fight or flight. The whole thing keeps on going on. Mm. And now the subconscious is reading the fight or flight as the very suffering that it was trying to get you to avoid.
0: Yeah. Oh, well. Because the
1: subconscious is not a thinking process, really. It doesn't understand. It experiences the thought of this, yeah. the trigger, the thought, suffering. But it doesn't mm. realize it's creating its own suffering. Mm. <laughs> so it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. that you can't get out of, a loop,
0: yeah.
1: and, um, until you explode and have it. Yeah. Now, you have to interrupt this process. Right. And this is where the technique comes, that where you... You actually experience the truth of what the tech what, what the craving really is. And that stops it dead. Fight or flight goes away.
0: Yeah.
1: And then you're left with free choice. You're no longer Absolutely, coerced. Uh, Fight or flight goes away. Your frontal cortex comes back online. Yeah. Right? And you can follow some more steps.
0: Oh, now awesome. eventually,
1: eventually, if you can. You, you deal with it when the craving occurs initially, and then you get faster and faster at that. And then you do that very same technique after the thought, because the thought and the belief happen very quickly. Yeah. you can get in there straight after the thought and nip it in the bud. Mm. And you do that in under a second repeatedly enough, yeah. it becomes a reflex and yeah. that cuts off the process and stops the generation of the craving. Okay so so that so in a sense when you when people say you know the thought they 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 basically think that the thought is the craving mm. that's not true yeah, you absolutely can experience yeah. you can experience no craving and have the thought fully absolutely there
0: yeah, yeah. I like so there's all this misunderstanding very much so michael we have to end up on this but thank you so much will you please tell my listeners where they can find you um, give give your, your your website addresses, your social media links, so that we okay. can we can know where we, we to go if we want to know more. Sure. Well, if, if anyone's interested in
1: stopping smoking, you can go to True Quit. That's True T R U E Q U I T com. Um, if anyone's interested in the podcast, you can go to Addiction to Freedom, um, and more simply. I have all of this summarized on my personal website, which is michaelgregory.life. Um, it's been a real pleasure to meet you, Freddie. And I feel like this, like there's like we could, we've only just begun talking. So, um, but it's absolutely. always that way. It's always yeah. that when It's a good conversation.
0: It always ends
1: like that. So,
0: yeah. no, I absolutely, I absolutely love this. And um, I, need, I need to learn to not make appointments. After a podcast, because um, I always have to end the podcast because I've I've got an appointment and I kind of freely know. But also, I can truly talk about these things for hours because I'm so interested in it. And it's such an interesting dynamic. Yeah, that if I don't put a time limit on it, we are going to talk for three hours.
1: <laughs> that's right. And, and, and that's not fair to, to your listeners because <laughs> it's nice
0: for it to be short, sharp and sweet. Yeah, Dude, That's very really true. Michael, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart and have a beautiful evening. And um, I'll well. let you know when we go live. I'll send you the link.
1: Thank you. Talk All right, yourself. see you, Freddie.
0: Bye. Bye-bye. I have said it so often and am probably going to say it many times more in the future. But I absolutely love how two complete strangers with one common interest can meet up on a communication platform and live as friends. I loved Michael's beautiful, caring energy and his passion for what he is doing. My wish for him is to help every smoker who ever wanted to quit and to make the world a healthier and happier place because of his work. If you want to know more about what I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website, which is www.freddy.org.za, or find me on Facebook at either Meet Me in the Field or Freddy Counselor, or on Twitter at at Freddy, or Instagram at Freddie Counselor. Remember that Freddy is always spelt with an I-E at the end. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Bye.